Well, hello everybody. It is Friday. That means it's Wolves podcast time. It's episode 157. That is 157. I'm your host, Nathan Judah. I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Joe Edwards as ever. Joe, how's it going? Come on. Give me some, give me some positivity. How's it going, man? My cat is asleep. There you go. See, this is what I've got to work with week so, in, week out. It's unbelievable. Your my, cat is asleep. My cat is probably... Can you say it, can you say it in like an excited way? My cat is asleep. That's still something... That's still... And, and, Alexa's, and, got, Alexa's, got, Alexa's better than that, mate. Come on. And, and he's just, as I've done that in the more excited voice, has mm. rolled over mm. and he's doing like... He's kind of got his head up, like in the air. It, it, you ought to see this is this is absolutely mind blowing stuff to be honest. I mean, it's all happening in the Edwards household, mate. It sounds absolutely thrilling. Uh, thrilling. And you've got you've got um, not just the cat with you. Um, I was <laughs> I could have gone I could have gone another way there, but well, it's Careful. early. It's early in this podcast, so I'm not Careful. going to. It's not a late night podcast. But you've got uh, you've got another individual who's working from home alongside you these days. We have got South, the missus, he's, he's, he's from Arm as well, as of as of today. Um, so, so you're living together, you're working together, together now, you've just got married, I mean, that, that that's it now, isn't it? Ball and chain, son. Uh, yeah, and the, the only, the, the middleman is the cat. The middleman and, is the cat, yes. Yeah, and uh, he's decided to, to pick his allegiances wisely this afternoon, and he's, he's in the room with me, so... Um, you know now, when you say the room, Joe, you've been working from a desk, you know, very nicely for the last three or four weeks. Uh, Soph's yeah. on a, um, on the first day of of being working from home. Uh, what what's happened? Where, where are you? You still you still at your desk, alpha male, right? No, I've been uh, I've been ousted. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, wow! I've been banished to the uh, the upstairs bedroom. Um, it's so a spare room, mate. It's not a bedroom. It's I a spare am, room. No, it is the main bedroom, at least. Okay. Um, but instead of working at my desk, it's um, South's dressing table. Um, so you got full on, full on light situation. You got a little makeup light going on there, like makeup mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Any yeah. foundation oh, I can borrow? Um, it's not really. Let's have a look. Let's open the. Let's open the drawer. <laughs> this could be a bit. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, I think uh, this could be one of your pictures this week for your tweet. Uh, opening the drawer. We've got uh, some Dove Derma Spa, uh, okay. summer revived body lotion for nice. for. For a natural bronze glow, I think you'd like a bit of that. Um, yeah, I'd like a bit of that, yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, we've got got some got some extra sensitive baby wipes. Um, <laughs> this is oh God, okay. Next, what's the next one below? Um, let's keep it PG. Yeah. Um, there's just some like deodorant, uh, Ted Baker body spray. Nice. Um, Batteries. Fruity body lotion. There you go. Oh, decent, mate. Decent. Happy yeah. days. And and I've had. I've just had a uh, an Aldi knockoff of a Cadbury's mini roll, which uh, which is just on the desk at the moment. So Can you knock in- off a min- mini roll? Is it, is it is it that important to knock off a mini roll to to, to save seven pence? Can't you just go for the full the full shebang? It, 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 well, it, in Aldi, it's the no, it's knockoffs or nothing. Um, oh really? The, I've never is, been in. So would yeah, you? yeah. So I mean, of course, you know, being Mister Judy, you haven't frequented uh, an Aldi, I suspect. But no, I went to Marks and Spencer's a couple of times. That's probably as good as it gets. <laughs> and wa- and Waitrose, if you're, yeah, Waitrose. If you're having an off day. Yeah, Waitrose. Bit of Sainsbury's <laughs> if I'm really struggling, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the Aldi, uh, Aldi doesn't really do brands. Lidl does mm. a bit of branding. 
Okay. And you can, like, if you want to get, like, proper Coca-Cola, you can. But Aldi, it's cheaper or go out. Yeah, I can never see myself going into an Aldi, to be honest. But you never know. <laughs> maybe that could. Maybe we could do a video one time of me going into an Aldi, but I wouldn't know where to start. I've been into Iceland once. Is I, does Iceland count as that kind of stuff? No? Uh, Iceland's all branded, isn't it? Yeah, Iceland's all right. 11 years ago or something, I think. I went into an <laughs> no, honestly, I think it was about 11 yeah. years ago. They had some sort of delicious dessert, I think, that was on offer. It might have been back on, back in the day, it might have been Snickers ice cream bars. Ooh, something like that. I delicious. Would love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like a Mars bar. You suck on, if you suck on it, really, really, you know, it's freezing cold, but you just allow that. That yeah. caramel and that chocolate to melt at the top. Oh, it's absolutely that's a, that's glorious. That's a great shirt, actually. Do they still glorious. do that? Mars ice cream bars. They yeah, yeah, 100% yeah, they do yeah. them. I've seen them in the stores, yeah. When I'm going from a Halo top, there's, there's definitely um, definitely a bit of Mars and a Snickers mm. ice cream going on. So maybe that could be the maybe that could be the the dessert of the weekend, mate. It's supposed to be beautiful weather out there. So so maybe you should uh, go and get a, maybe some Snockers, mate, or some, some Mears. From uh, from Aldi, mate, they might be able to get you know eleven <laughs> yeah. percent. I'm what they're called. I think, I think they're called what's what's the Mars called? Oh, it's it's not even like stuff like I think it might be called Snickers. Might be called like Tracker or something like that. No, there's Tracker. There's Tracker bars. Tracker bars are delicious. Absolutely mm. delicious. Tracker bars are Tracker bars. Well, or they might just be called Snack. Or <laughs> again, <laughs> again, another chocolate. Again, another chocolate biscuit called Snack. Yeah, actually, which I'm, is quite nice. So. Yeah. Have well, you uh, they, have you have you have you got some of your uh, have you lost some of your weight that you put on over lockdown or is it still um is it still a rocky slippery slope? It's still there. It's probably it been ad- it's probably been added to a bit more. What's your uh, what's your TV TV binge of choice at this moment in time? Because you know you, you, we're finishing box sets left, right, and centre here. What what are you two what are you two to do? I finished Tiger King the other night. Okay, okay, um, which. Which, to be honest, I know you said you're not like a fan of animals in captivity and all that no. kind of stuff, but no. this is like, this is almost too. It's 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 not focused on like animal cruelty, like okay. as such. Yeah, like it's it's not like it doesn't show them like really like harming the animals really badly. It's yeah. it's centered around the guy who runs it just being an yeah. absolute loon. Yeah. Um. So that's quite good. Uh, Friday night dinner. Watched the last episode of. Never watched Cru- it. Current series, and it seems like that's wrapped up the, the way the way they've done it. It was quite a nice finish. Um, okay. So that, that that was pretty good. Um, what else have been watching? Um, the, the missus watched something on um, on Netflix. Is it called The Stranger or something like that? that, that that's quite yeah, good. so it's a horror. It's one of the worst horrors I've ever seen. I think I might have watched the same one. No, no, it was a, like a drama series. Oh, this was. Not then. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm uh, just running out of kind of even things to watch. Um, I'll give you two, mate. I'll give you two. Two on. that one, one that I finished, and one that um, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of because it's only getting released weekly. But uh, Money Heist, I finished. Enjoyable. I mean, for people who like far fetched, of course. It's it's um, it's recorded in Spanish, so you can either you can either watch it, you know, dubbed in. So so the English is is talked over when when they're talking Spanish. And it's, to be honest, it's not it's not the worst dubbing I've. I've seen, or you can watch it in subtitles, um, which you know you kind of get a bit more flavour of what's going on. But but either or, it's a very entertaining show. For people like Ocean's Eleven, it's that type of thing. But obviously, elongated to uh, I think it's eight, nine, ten, ten parts in the first series. There's four series in total at this moment in time. Mm. I'm sure, there'll be a fifth on the way. Yes, far fetched, but I mean it's a, it's a heist, you know. So you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. But I thought I thought really enjoyable. So 
definitely binged that over the last couple of weeks and um, that's definitely one that I would recommend. The Last Dance, uh, Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. Oh my bloody, I was going to swear there, God, absolutely. This will go down as one of the top sports documentaries of all time. It's absolute fly-on-the-wall documentary. You know, you watch all the ones that you get these days, you know, your Man Cities or your Liverpools or, your, you know, your Sunderlands or whatever. This is this is one million times better. One, because it's, you know, it's, it's talking about the greatest sports superstar of all time, potentially and arguably. And, and two, when he was in his pomp. And three, this is proper fly-on-the-wall documentary before... Before social media, before camera crews, you know, this is basically one old school JVC camera operated by the team. You know, this is really proper in the dressing room, in the locker room, no holes barred. And then the, the, the stars that who are today, you know, talking about it and reminiscing. It's so clever. Even if you're not a basketball fan, I implore you, go and watch The Last Dance absolutely will go down of one of the best 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 of all time that is quite that is quite pra- quite high praise isn't it that mate yeah, honestly honestly and you know like i mean alana who came on last week did, did a great job with the first 10 15 minutes and um yeah and uh, she's she plays she plays basketball for solo ladies and a huge basketball fan she used to work for for a team that's no longer an nba team called the seattle supersonics um and uh, she got to see Jordan play and, and, and all the greats, really. And uh, she, she loves it. And she kind of got me to, to watch it. And out of the three, the NFL you know, and, and, and baseball, I would say that, that basketball is probably my, th- my third favourite out of the three. But this documentary series, Joe, please watch it. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. There's only two episodes that come out a week. I think this the, I've just watched the fifth and the sixth just then. With the um, This one's just got the late great... Kobe Bryant on it as well and uh, honestly mate watch it everybody who's listening 3,000 of you or whoever who listened last week make sure you watch it please okay I'll do a trade off with you go on if you if I watch that yeah you, you give Tiger King a try because that the kind of the documentary the kind of the way they've done it is very very interesting okay alright deal mate deal I'll watch okay. the first two mate I'll watch the first two for next week and we'll reconvene how's that yes Yes. We'll okay. okay. Talking about reconvening, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers squad are reconvening um, at this moment. In, well, at this moment in time, in the process of uh, talk this week of uh, the the guys who were who were abroad. I don't know how they got there in the first place, but they're away from Wolverhampton. <laughs> yeah. They've had a chance to get on a flight and go back home. Um, they're getting recalled. That that training will start at Molyneux uh, in the next week Compton. or so. Albeit in, albeit you know, segregated and social, adhering to social distancing, depending on on what happens on Sunday when Boris makes his announcement. Uh, Joe, can you give us a little bit more on that and where we are at this moment in time? So yeah, there's there's a few that are abroad as we speak. Uh, Nuno being the the main one. Um, Nuno's abroad. Joe Martino is as we've seen with his uh, many videos and his. His palatial uh, Portuguese home. Mm. Um, Ruben Neves is back in Portugal. Ruben Vinagre is, and Den Donk has been back with his family in Brussels as well. Um, so they're they're coming back uh, this weekend and um, ready for the start of individual training at Compton on Monday. Um, 
just to kind of clear up what that is, it's kind of going to be similar to to what players would do. What kind of coming back, you know, for the start of pre-season, individual testing, kind of be running drills. I'd imagine they'll all be wearing kind of a GPS vests and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it should be a chance for to to have their fitness properly assessed. Um, of course, strict social distance, distancing rules still in place. Yeah. Um, players, uh, of course, travelling alone, washing their own kits, uh, so uh, taking them home and washing. They're washing not them washing home. their own kits. They mate. are. There's they no are. chance. Don't well, give me well, that. There's no chance that Jao Moutinho is coming back, getting his kit, where put, putting his clothes on top of his kit. Going back home, sticking in the washing machine, putting some Persil in, maybe a yeah. bit of Lenore freshener, getting it out and, and, and giving it an iron. He's shut up. It, it is. The one that, that, I mean, if, if they're not, they'll be in trouble. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the way of the world now. You know, in, in, in different ways and different circumstances, people are going to be affected uh, by this. And what was normal... Uh, is is going to be very difficult to return to and, he, and stuff like this. Whoever he's be... whoever he's within that house in Wolverhampton, mate, is washing it. He's not. Well, washing uh, it, yeah, mate. yeah, exactly. Um, but he's, he's know, opening it... a bit of Rioja, mate, and making letting it breathe is what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. But um, so so that's what they're having to do. They're, they're, they're traveling there, washing, you know, keeping their distance because um, Premier League rules do not kind. You know, they they're not permitting any kind of group activities as as. You know, as we speak, I mean, in a couple of weeks, you know, the hope is that once once it's allowed, that Wolves can perhaps have players doing stuff in small groups, um, you know, shooting drills and passing drills and stuff like that. But at the moment, it's still individual training, and that's worth stressing. Um, it is a kind of a return to normal in in one one sense because it's going back to Compton and doing stuff from there. Um, but it, of course, it won't be as as intensive as training would be regularly. But on the other side of the coin, it is at least a step up from what they have been doing for the last six or seven weeks, which is doing resistance bands and exercise bikes in in their own homes. So the, the training is stepping up, but in terms of getting back properly in groups ahead of. You know, returning to games—that's that's still a way off, really. Yeah, and talking about that, and um, and the season going forward, and we we can we can welcome Nick Goff to the podcast. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers fan Nick Goff. Um, he's got some really interesting theories, um, if and how a season can be completed if it goes ahead, and also if you know, unfortunately, it becomes. Null and void. So, so this is this is Nick's chat with, with myself and Joe. Well, I'm delighted to have a special guest on the show. Uh, please give a warm welcome to, first and most importantly, Wolverhampton Wanderers super fan, but also a man after my own heart, professional gambler. I mean, this man, this man has had a long, illustrious career so far, but but currently professional gambler, Mr. Nick Goff. Round of applause for Mr. Nick Goff. Welcome, Nick. Well, that's um, a big, thank, a big welcome. It, it, well, it is. It's a big build-up, mate. But you know, um, I bet you didn't think. I mean, I'm just, I was just thinking back just before we started this podcast. Only what a couple of months ago, a little bit more than that, we're uh, having a couple of you know tapas in in Barcelona. Can you quite believe where we are at this moment in time? It seems an absolute world away now. Being 
being at the Espanyol game, doesn't it? I mean, I was just saying to some friends the other day, I'm so glad that I went over to Espanyol because those three or four days were the last sort of the last days of normality before mm. um, before the world turned on its head. That's the um, dog. That's the dog there. Happy days. Um, yeah. So so it was a nice time in in Barcelona. Obviously, couldn't go to Greece because because no one could in the end. Um, and, and now we are where we are, all sitting at home, twiddling our thumbs and hoping we might be able to do something again soon. Yeah, I mean, amazingly, I mean, we'll talk about Premier League restart, but Europa and, and Champions League, I mean, that, that Olympiacos game could be, could be null and void potentially as well if, if, if you know, if, if some, of the, some of the teams get their way and it's just quarterfinals start again and it's just a, a one-legged tie. Yeah, so they could go one leg, couldn't they? What would be really weird is if they ask us to play the second leg of that tie three or four months after the first the draw in the first leg um that just, just doesn't feel like that's the right thing to do but i don't know i don't know what uefa are planning i think they're waiting to see how the big leagues solve their situations before trying to figure out how you can finish the, the champions league and europa league which i think is fair because if we can finish the premier league that should take precedent over everything else shouldn't it absolutely now me and joe have spoken about about the players and the wolves players who are overseas at the moment uh, are in line to, to, to fly back and, uh, and, and begin some, some kind of training again and I guess some kind of normality in, in inverted commas. Uh, look, if this league is to restart, and, and it still is a, a big if, um, we, we, it was inevitable that, that some teams want to play their, their games in their own stadiums, some, some teams are happy to play neutral games, some people would want to see it null and void because... Uh, you know, a mixture of a mixture of safety, but also, I guess, it, it suits their own their own agendas. Um, it, it's not it's not surprising that some teams are kicking up a fuss, is it, Nick, at this moment in time? No, not at all. So, I, where I stand is quite quite firmly that if we can restart safely, then then we really ought to try. Because I hate the idea of starting a season and not finishing it, unless that's the only. You know, there's no other way out. So, what does restarting safely really mean? I don't think it means like literally zero percent risk because. Zero percent risk doesn't exist anywhere in anywhere in our lives. If you if you have twelve points after the game in the Hogshead and come out and try and cross that road with cars coming in all directions, there's some risk. If you get on an aeroplane, there's some <laughs> risk. If you if you eat a fry up, there's some risk to your health. But we all take those risks because they're low enough to you know for us to, to decide that they're acceptable relative to the enjoyment we get from them. So so we're not looking for zero percent risk for the Premier League to restart, but we're looking for it to be so low that taking a small risk is is going to be seen by most of the players and the clubs uh, as fine. Right now, that's that's still a no for me. But in five weeks' time, things could look really different. Now we're seeing the testing numbers ramped up almost day by day, so that in five weeks' time. Pro players being tested for corona won't have any impact on the public being tested or health workers being tested. We're going to have so many tests available in five weeks' time that that won't be a problem. Right now, you just couldn't do it. No. The other thing we'll be able to do is we'll be able to watch what happens in Germany. They're bringing the Bundesliga back a week on Saturday. Um, if it works for them, then we'll start to think that maybe it can work for us. Obviously, if it goes wrong in Germany, then it's going to be a big problem for the Premier League. So we'll keep an eye on what happens in Germany. Um, and until that time, we're going to have negotiations, a game of cat and mouse between the top 14 and the bottom six, if you like, about persuading the bottom six that they should play. Because obviously, out of self-interest, they, they, they don't want to be relegated. But the top 14 want the, the media money that comes with it. So there's going to be some negotiation. And at some point, we're going to have to make some, maybe make some offers to the bottom six that you wouldn't usually see. 
I hear people saying things like, oh, you can't change the rules halfway through the season. But once you even talk about playing some games on neutral ground that wouldn't have been on neutral grounds before, you're already changing the rules. So mm -hmm. if you can change one rule, you can change more than one. So one thing you could do perhaps is say that the parachute payments that teams get for being relegated could be increased if you go down this year. And that sort of acknowledges that it's a crazy time, that the suspension and the restart, we've never seen anything like that before. When we restart, form the form that you're in before is totally irrelevant. So for, for Wolves, we'd, we'd hardly lost, other than the Espanyol away game, which was basically a dead rubber, we hadn't lost a game since Liverpool beat us in, in January, I don't think. But that form's now gone, isn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. Um, can, can, you, can you see, regardless of what happens, the decisions that, that is made, a lot of teams suing um, if it doesn't suit them, and, and this going on and on and dragging, um, that, will that will not stop but stall the season restarting? So hopefully you can find an agreement that all 20 say, OK, that's fair. And the one thing I've thought of, and I don't think it's perfect, and I've put it on social media and a few people completely disagree, and that's fine. But the one thing I thought of that makes, that will be more appealing to the, to the bottom six is to remove one relegation place this season and just send two teams down. Now, if you did that, at a stroke, you are giving all six of the clubs that are in danger a higher chance of survival than they had pre-suspension. So no one can then complain that, oh, the suspension has killed, our, uh, has killed our season, we're going down when we wouldn't have done before. Because anyone that comes back with two teams going down, when it would have been three before, has had a boost to their chances. Now, if you look at Norwich, they're, they're so far behind at the moment, they're almost gone anyway. So if Norwich are still going to be one of the ones that goes down, that would only leave one relegation place for the other five clubs. And suddenly then, I think those five clubs, your Villas and your Brightons and your Bournemouth, and saying, OK, that, that's a fair compromise, we'll take that risk. And, then, and you'd still have um, promotion, for the, you'd still have Leeds and Albion, I think, coming up. And if you can play the playoffs, you'd have a third team coming up and you'd just play next year with 21 clubs. Have one season with one extra club and four relegation teams next, uh, places next year. And I think that would be the, safe, the, the fairest way to get it back on, acknowledge the bottom six that, yeah, this is a crazy situation, but, but we can't carry on with no relegation. We can't come back and play football with none because as much as the public want to watch football right now, there's only so much West Ham v Watford with no one going down that people can take. That's not an interesting game of football unless the three points help someone stay up. So there's I got guess, to I be relegation. The, with the problem you would have, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good theory. And I, don't, I don't think by any means is it, is it the greatest that I've heard. Um, if, if that was to happen, do you think that the top six or let's say the top four clubs would be happy with playing extra two games in the season with with so you know with with the fixtures that are so crazy as it is with with extra competitions and, and European competitions and, and and the Euros in the summer that they would they would be happy with playing an extra two games in the season. Yeah, so that's a fair point, and this is where the compromise comes in. That I think for one year you scrap the Carabao Cup or something okay. like that, and and you say to the top four you just have to play these extra games and I know we're going to have a Euros at the end of the season and we might have tired players but the bigger picture here is the whole of English like the landscape of English football and I think if you don't get the season finished because a lot of these clubs have actually spent you know I, th I think relatively Wolves are in a decent position financially compared to a lot of these clubs and we should come out the other side of it in an, in an okay position compared to some others but some of these clubs have already spent the, 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 t the TV money that they might have to give back if we can't finish 
Mm-hmm. And that and that trickles down to championship clubs, League One and League Two clubs. And I'd hate to be in a position in 10 years' time where there's only 60 professional football clubs left in, left in this country. And this situation is what caused it, and it caused the landscape of football to change forever. So that's why I think we need to try to finish it if we can. And that's all eyes on Germany. And let's hope that, that things go well in Germany in, in the next few weeks. Yeah, that, that's going to be key. Joe, what do you reckon? Uh, uh, two down instead of three? 21 uh, next year? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I think it, uh, I think 21, yeah, and then four, maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the Wolves aren't involved either way, are they? So uh, they can do what they want. It's a. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a difficult one. I mean, we kind of um, we kind of chatted about for about half an hour last week, just going back and forth, and every single turn that you make, you're finding two or three dead ends, aren't you? So it's gonna be a logistical nightmare. Whatever happens, it's really tough. And, uh, and for clubs like Wolves, you know, we're talking about the bottom six voting out of self-interest, but we'll mm-hmm. vote out of self-interest as well. Wolves yeah. want the opportunity. We've basically got a free hit at a Champions League spot, haven't we? If the, mm-hmm. if, if, if the league doesn't return, we don't get a Champions League spot. That, you know, unless, we, unless they re, revamp the Europa and we play that and win it. But for, via the league, if we don't restart, Wolves won't be in the... However they choose to go about it, it, Wolves won't be in the Champions League. But if we restart, we've got a free hit at it. So, so we've got self-interest to try to get these games on if we can. And you won't hear anything coming out of Wolves at the moment of, of not wanting to play or danger... You know, I think we, we want to play. And there's a lot of clubs in the top 14 that are exactly the same, wants to play. Um, so things like those extra two games, that little hardship that will come with that, the, uh, the idea of two down definitely not being ideal. But if we can find some sort of compromise that everyone's happy with, that's how you'll prevent legal wrangles going through the... What we don't want to see is football clubs going to court in three years' time over coronavirus issues because mm-hmm. that, that won't be good for the game at all, will it? Nick, former uh, former head of football at Coral. Um, Nick, what, what what would you say? What odds would you give now? How would you how would you price it up for football to to restart or, or null and void this season? What would what would be your your price if you um, if you were independent bookie today? I think that Premier League restarting is about sixty six percent, so about one to two okay. that the, that it will restart. I, I think it's more likely than not that we'll restart. Restarting is very different to finishing though, because if you restart, you then need to make sure that no one catches the virus. If a, if a bunch of players catch it on restart, then we're just doomed, I think. I don't see how you restart, then pause again, then restart again. I think mm-hmm. I think you get one go at this restart, you get it right, or you're done. What do you think is the latest that you could restart the league, realistically? That one's really tough, because I, I think they, they feel like they want to restart middle of June and get done by, the, by middle of July. Um because of the contract situation and things like that. And, I, and there's something written, I, th- I believe there's something written into Sky's contract that, said that, that there's a sort of hard deadline that says if it's not done by the end of July, then they don't have to pay for, for, for what comes afterwards. Again, you could probably negotiate with Sky and that might be giving the, some extra games for free next season or anything like that. But once you start talking about finishing this season in October, November, things like that, I, I start to think there's a, there's a cut-off where... You, it's not really this season, then, is it? No, no. I, I it's, it, it is difficult. Um, I, I assume that whatever happens, and if we do finish this season and and have a full season next year as well, I know that some people have talked about maybe finishing finishing this season next season, just kind of wiping the twenty twenty one season, which I think is pretty difficult to do, to be honest. But 
can you see the the winter break just being just being canned for the for this yeah. year as well and, and the Carabao Cup things like that I don't think yeah. you can can next season because again there's a financial issue there all sure. of these 20 Premier League clubs have have um, got built into their financial budgets to receive 100 odd million pounds of TV money for next season yeah. if you say we're not playing next season you don't get that money and you've got five, six, seven clubs in massive problems of course of course now, now if the season is null and void and um, there is still you know a, a decent chance that that could happen UEFA have discussed about this this merit table and they're kind of opening up to their own um, national federations to talk about you know, how that merit table will be and they'll, they'll kind of agree with it or disagree with it. Um, points per game is something that seems very simple but will create a whole host of, of other problems. But Nick, you've had, a, you've had an idea and, and you've put a few, a few pieces together about how uh, a, a, final, a final table could look without a points per game. Uh, what would you like to kind of like just explain that theory? Because it is very interesting. I think it's actually probably one of the best ones that I've heard. So on the points per game thing, I think you're spot on. It's very simple. It's really easy for people to understand how points per game would work. Um, so it's, it's easy and it's clean and it's not the worst idea ever, but it's got a couple of massive flaws and a billion pound operation like the Premier League really shouldn't be using something as unscientific just because it's easy for people to understand. It wouldn't take into account, points per game wouldn't take into account at all the average sort of strength of remaining opponents teams have got Mm -hmm. so if you've got a softer remaining set of fixtures obviously you still have to go and win them but you'd rather have some easier opponents like take Wolves for example we've got all of our Liverpool and Man City games played that's an advantage we don't have to play those sides to get the strongest two sides again Um, that's not the case for, for, for some teams points per game would never factor that in um, it also doesn't account for the difference between results and performance. So one thing we know from, from good football analytics is that the best indicator of future performance is um, a set of performance metrics rather than actual results. So um, we'll take, take the crudest of ones. For example, if you watch, we've all watched a game of football where... One team has 15 shots on target, the other one has one, and the team that has the one nick it 1-0. Sure. On that day, they, you know, they've, won, they've won the game. But if you play that game through 10 times, that team is probably only winning that game that one time. They've just, they've just got away with one. And over, over a sample of 29 games which we've had so far, that's, that, that variance doesn't all come out in the wash. So most teams are in the position in the league that they deserve to be in, but there are some cases that aren't. And I'll give you one example. If you look at the Premier League table right now, Crystal Palace are 11th and Everton the 12th. Mm-hmm. If they played each other on a neutral ground next week and the odds were the same, I'll have as much as I can have on Everton. I'm, I'm convinced Everton are a better team than Crystal Palace. But the league sure. table doesn't say that right now, but mm-hmm. I know that, that, that if, they, you know, if they start the season up again, I still expect Everton to finish above Palace, but they're not there right now. So the league table doesn't always tell the truth. And if you use points per game, you'll... You can't put that right. Crystal Palace will will move further ahead of Everton, even though they're not the better side. So that's why I wouldn't want to use points per game. Um, what what you could do instead is is some sort of complex modelling where you take a, a a team rating, where you use all of the factors that are important within football analytics to to um, rate the teams relative to to each other's strength and then simulate each of those games um, 10,000 times. And so let's take an example again. Say Wolves are at home to Sheffield United tomorrow, 
and I use my numbers to, to tell you, which you, we'll use simple numbers, Wolves 50% chance of winning, 25% chance of the draw, 25% chance Sheffield United win. Yeah. So in terms of points expectation there, 50% chance Wolves get the three points. So there's a 1.5 point expectation there. But there's also a 25% chance of the draw, 25% chance that they get one point. So that's a quarter of a point expectation there. Add the two together, 1.5 points um, expectation. Sorry, I told you there'd be, there'd be some maths to come at some point. Um, <laughs> so the, there's a 1.5 point expectation from the win, a quarter of a point from the draw. Wolves at home to Sheffield United, if they played tomorrow, could be worth 1.75 expected points to Wolves. Obviously, you can't get 1.75 expected points because you either win, draw, or you lose. But, we, but we're dealing with uncertain information. That game might never be played. That game would be worth one and three quarter points to Wolves. We don't know what the actual result would be. We can then use simulations like that to play all of the remaining fixtures through 10,000 times. And it would tell us, it, it would strip out the variance, that word you'll know from poker, um, mm-hmm. Nathan, where Absolutely. in the short term, crazy things will happen and you won't always get what you deserve. But over the long term, if you make the right decisions playing poker, you get what you deserve. And if you make the wrong decisions, you lose your money. And that's mm-hmm. how this, this, this would work. The, the teams that would deserve the most points over the, over the 10,000 simulation would, en- would end up getting them. And that would give you a more sensible final league table than points per game would look. Now, I guess people would like to look, know how that would look if, if it played out the way I think it would. Well, Liverpool would win the league, obviously. City second, Leicester third, Chelsea fourth, Man United fifth, Wolves sixth, Spurs seventh, Sheffield United eighth, Arsenal ninth. So if it, if it played out according to um, a standard simulation, Wolves would end up finishing the season sixth, which is actually exactly where we are right now. Yes. Who would you have going down, Nick? Um, so if, if it's three down, it would be the three that are in there right now, which is convenient, I know, but it would be Norwich, Villa and Bournemouth. But if you removed one of those relegation places, Bournemouth would end up then staying up. Right. The, the waters then get muddied because we have to look at other factors which weren't a factor when we suspended. Bournemouth are a massive example of this. They've got eight players that will be out of contract in June. That's mm-hmm. more than any other club. I think some of those players have already found new clubs. So will they, will they accept an extension on their contract to play in a relegation battle for Bournemouth when they know they're going somewhere else in September. I'm not sure that many would. And so this would be an advantage for Villa over Bournemouth. I think Villa have got far fewer players out of contract, whereas um, Bournemouth could lose eight. I think that's the most in the league. So would Bournemouth be at a disadvantage? I think that's one of those cases where you just got to say, well, that, we can't do anything about that. They've, they've got to carry on and play. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And, and, and of course, for restarts as well. And if, if the season is null and void, you've got, You've got the likes of Kane and Rashford and, and those players who probably weren't available to the to the squads, you know, if we were carrying on continuing, but but are probably going to play a key a key part for the running. So there's there's so many different variables. I mean, I think you've explained it really well there, Nick. Um, and I, like I say, I think it's as good as any kind of model that I've heard. It rather than going down just the the simplified points per game basis. And before you go, mate, because I'm not going to keep you for too much longer. Um, any crazy while you were at Coral and, and obviously hit any what's the what's the craziest sports bet you've had or, or you you've had to you know you've had to you've had to either consult and, and see whether you can you can put it forward or, or something you've had to reject. What what are the crazier bets that you've had to sanction? 
Ah, um, you, you always get the ones from parents wanting to um, wanting to bet on their kids to play for play for England. Ah, um, okay. And but but the one that so the the, the guy that um, saw a thirteen year old playing snooker in Bristol and rang up and said he wanted to, he wanted a hundred quid on a kid no one had ever heard of called Judd Trump to be world snooker champion in oh, the next fifteen wow. years. Wow! He got, he got given a, a thousand to one for a hundred no! quid. No. And, and then, uh, so you just sat, as bookies, you just sat there every year going, I wonder if this is the year he wins it. It was like slow, <laughs> slow death. You know he's going to win it one year, and then he gets beat in the final, and he gets beat in the semi-final, and you keep your yeah. money. At some I guess point, you can you know lay, gonna... lay, lay a decent amount of that off, but at the same time. Yeah, you I'm can, sure. but, but it, was, it was one of those where it was taken before any of us started working there. We hardly even knew that the bet exists. Of course. And then, and then this guy comes out of the scene on nowhere, and, and someone pipes up with, oh, you do realise it's going to cost us a million pound if he wins this. And we're like, oh. He's got his paper of, slip and his nine percent tax, or one pound and nine p, or whatever it was back in the yeah. day. So that, oh, that, that, that that's a crazy one. You used to get quite a few of those sort of random things, and, and, and with the parents coming in to back their kids, obviously nine 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 thousand nine hundred ninety nine out of ten thousand will never end up being professional footballers anyway. So you only hear about the ones that go on and do it. But they're nice story. They're nice stories when 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 things like that happen. Yeah, brilliant. I mean. Um... Can we get can we get one for uh, for Joe Edwards to uh, to to pull on the uh, the old golden black potentially one day you know if his journalism career doesn't doesn't work out for him I don't, I don't think I've got enough zeros to put on a betting slip have I? <laughs> <laughs> correct answer <laughs> oh brilliant and uh, Nick how do people get get if you want if they want to carry on this conversation if they agree or they strongly disagree and you want to they want to carry on and berate you or congratulate you or how how do they get hold of you what are your contact details uh, on Twitter Twitter at nickgoff seventy nine where I can be found. Cheering the fat over all things football and and mostly wolves, to be honest. Um, so and I'm on there a fair bit at the moment because there's not much else to do, is there? Just waiting for sport <laughs> to come back. I'm, I miss my. Uh, I've been down. I've, I lived down in London since 2008, so I miss my, my trips back to to Wolverhampton and I miss seeing friends because there's no games on. So um, God knows when we'll, we'll be back in the stadium. I'm not convinced that'll that'll be this year. Are you? No, I don't think so, mate. To be honest, I think we'll be very lucky if we. If, if even the media get back in, let alone any of the fans, but uh, you know we can we can we can hope we can hope and we can pray and uh, we'll see. But um, Nick, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate that. Fascinating, really. Joe, I think you probably agree with me. It's just like um, especially with a, an analytical mind and, and stat-driven kind of theories, definitely definitely interesting. And that's that's some of the best that I've heard. So Nick, thank you very much and have a, have a great have a great weekend, pal. No problem, lads. Take care. Cheers, Nick. Cheers, mate. Nick, thank you very much. Uh, really interesting, Joe. What he's got to say. I do think you can't you can't just simplify it. If the season doesn't happen uh, from a points per game basis, with so much at stake, and, and and the way that Nick speaks and and has kind of designed this this theoretical model, and obviously he's based on stats and been a very successful professional gambler. You have to be a pretty pretty good on stats if you are going to be you know make a living out of out of this. Um, but but bringing in strength of schedule and bringing in you know playing this game out more than just once but but ten thousand times a hundred thousand times and, and and bringing probability into that of of a team pulling off an upset it makes more sense, doesn't it? If you are gonna um, somehow come to a come to a you know an end of season standings without these nine games being played. Yeah, I think so. I think it, I think it's fair enough. I mean, when you hear Nick speaking the amount of detail he does, it it, it can, can perhaps be a bit difficult to comprehend. I mean, you know, that's why he does it for a living because he's got that depth of knowledge and and of analytics and all different kinds of, of kinds of stats. I mean, 
Well, it's nice but, to have a bit of in, an intellectual yeah, show, mate. Well, exa- exactly, because I'm not going to. Because I'm not going to bring that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you've you've got you you do look at Wolves' remaining fixtures: uh, West Ham, Bournemouth, Villa, Arsenal, Sheffield United, Everton. Burnley, Crystal Palace and Chelsea and that does look like quite a favourable running yes it's mm-hmm. not the easiest one in the world but apart from Arsenal and Chelsea perhaps, and Arsenal's at home and, and Arsenal and Arsenal's at home you're looking at looking at them and you're thinking yeah we'd like three points from most of those games really even Sheffield United who of course have had a very good season but you'd, you'd still kind of back walls to at least get a point against them so mm-hmm. something that takes into account those remaining games would be favourable because at the moment if you are judging it off just points per game because Sheffield United have played a game less they'd actually benefit and and, and leapfrog Wolves in the table which really I mean w- wouldn't be very fair I don't think just because they've played one game less they've got exactly the same number of points but you know that I think is something that does kind of take into account what should have happened if the season of course doesn't restart um, yeah, I think he's he's fair enough. I mean, it is it is it isn't uh, quite as easy to understand. But as as Nick says, if you're a billion pound organisation as the Premier League is, you've got to make sure you leave uh, now down unturned. Absolutely. Shall we? Uh, shall we take some questions from Peeps, Joe? Yes. Yes. Let's yes. take some questions. Here we go. Um, Amar's music show sets, gentlemen. If you had the choice of finishing the season now with guaranteed Europa League spot for next season due to Manchester City or continue the season with the chance of Champions League but the risk of not getting in Europe also, which would you choose? Would you stick or twist, Joe? I think I'd continue. Um, I I do do still struggle to see um, football returning I am still on the pessimistic 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 side that's easy to say you're in the uh, you're in the 33% of Nick's 66 yes mm-hmm. yeah um it's it, I do still find it hard but I would like like it to be played out um and I think the vast majority of players would as well I think there will be a group of players that come that that do voice the displeasure. I think a few already have. Uh, Aguero being the most notable. I think Lanzini at West Ham said something the other day that they shouldn't play until there's a vaccine. Um, and there will be people expressing those views. And to be honest, if I was a player, I'd, I'd probably be quite sceptical as well. Um, but I think the vast majority, after being inactive for so long when they used to be in such a day-to-day grind, I think they are going to be desperate to get back playing. And um, I think Wolves want the opportunity at Champions League qualification. Um, you know, players like Raul Jimenez and Ruben Neves, you know, that they've tasted that competition before and they want it again. And um, you know, to be denied the opportunity at that, um, I think would be would be very disappointing. And Wolves really, with the quality that they've got, um, now fans, empty grounds, neutral venues, whatever. If the season does restart, you would back them to uh, at least, you know, claim a Europa League berth. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, it's a good question. I mean, are we are we kind of like saying that there'll be no Europa League either this season? That's null and void. So, or will they still have a chance of well, winning that, the Europa well, League for a Champions it, yeah. League spot? Um, 
I might stick, you know, I, I am a little bit concerned with the likes of, I know I've said it previous, Spurs with Kane back, even Arsenal three points behind, Wolves, that, that you know, if it doesn't go according to plan and, you know, yeah, the, the one team, the, the, the one 13 games this season, they haven't lost too many, but if it didn't, you know, if it didn't work out and they find themselves seventh or maybe even eighth, that, that they might miss out. So I might go for a little bit of a, a guaranteed Europa adventure again. But each to their own, each to their own. Interesting. Good question. Um, next one. Uh, David Gannon, do the panel. The panel, I like that. Do the panel. The panel. Think yes. in October, if reopened to fans, Molyneux will reduce the capacity of seats to enable social distancing. I'll read that out again. Um, if the stadium is reopened to fans in October, will Molyneux reduce the capacity of seats to enable social distancing? So, so, so that basically, yeah, be, be, be less people allowed in the ground. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you'd, you'd take that over now, fans. I mean, I think even that, though, I think October sounds um, ambitious for that, really. I agree, I agree. I don't, um, I don't think we're going to see fans until until 2021. No, I don't. And you're, talk, you're talking about a vaccine. I reckon it's probably going to be towards the end of the year, early next. Um, and I think there'll probably have to be a few months of that vaccine being in effect um, for, for fans to be allowed to, to go back to games in... In a, in a substantial guise, anyway, um, that might allow media or something like that in the meantime. But um, yeah, I, I think I think October sounds 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 ambitious. And in terms of will they do social distancing? Yeah, they probably will be when the time comes, because um, I think social distancing is going to be a thing for you know at least probably another year in some guise and. You know, football grounds and football clubs are going to be under, you know, under scrutiny really to make sure they're following everything by the book. So um, yeah, it may be maybe quite a while until we see a, a full raucous Molyneux as we as we've come to expect it, um, which is a shame. It really is, but it's just the way of the world now. It's going to be so difficult to uh, depending on how you, how you do the segregation as well. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's why that's why I find it hard to I find it hard to to kind of see. Some people being allowed in, others not. With the season ticket situation, with I mean Manchester City be fine anyway. City would be fine. <laughs> Sit five seats apart. And there's no one there. But I think for for a ground like Molyneux and, and just you know regarding most Premier League grounds, I don't think you can say you can come one week, the others will come another, or you come in one in every three, depending on how far the social. Di- I think for me. If social distancing is still in effect, you cannot have fans into the ground. And I think once fans come into the ground, they're allowed into the ground. I think you have everyone, no one or everyone. I don't think you can you can quite do it like that. But well, it's going to be interesting, mate. It's going to be interesting. Um, Roberto says, "Do you think any of the Wolves squad will refuse to play, uh, or more so, agents using this angle to engineer a move?" Uh, I don't. I'm not. I mean, I. I one of the Wolves players could could come out, and I, I think if they did, I think I think you know you've got to understand it. I think everybody's different, and you now some people are obviously worried. I'm not aware of any Wolves players um, voicing their displeasure, and at, at the moment it's worth adding that because I think clubs like Villa have said, um, you know, we may well be without some players because one's got asthma. They didn't name names, Dean Smith, but he said one's got asthma and one lives with an elderly parent, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolves kind of checked that out and 
there's nobody at Wolves who has those extenuating circumstances. So in terms of the return to individual training on Monday, everyone is due to be taking part in that. Um, but now, if you're if you're if you're Jean Martinio, right? Yeah. I'm just taking Jean, I'm not, I'm just taking for an example, right? And your wife says, "Look, I'm not happy with you playing. I don't think it's safe. I don't think football should be going on." I don't want you to play. What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> I think and if you go you to Wolves, let's say, and if, you know, if you're Jean Martinio, you go to Wolves and say, look, I'm not, I'm not happy with the situation. I don't feel comfortable playing. I don't think we should be playing. He's got a contract. Do you, do you say, okay, we understand and, and, and keep on paying him X amount a week? Do you say, okay, but we're not going to pay you because you're not playing? Or do you say, no, well, you have to play. This is, this is your terms of your contract. Yeah. The, 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 that are... will happen. I guarantee that will yeah, happen yeah, yeah. with pl- some players, hopefully not Wolves players, if the season recommences at a club, that that, that will be a situation. Yeah, yeah. There'll definitely be... Um, there will be players who, who just don't want to play. And... And again, uh, you, you, it's fair enough because it's a it's a global pandemic. That thousands of people have died, and you know if you, if if you are a family man and you're you've got a wife who, wife who's expecting or whatever, then there's a lot of things there's a lot of things to consider. Um, as I say, you know if you look at, from the outside looking in, Jaimatini is having to leave his you know his chateau in Portugal to come back to to Compton to to do individual training when. When kind of you know we're still waiting for a day over football's resumption, you could prob- probably see if if he was a bit peeved, um, but he, you know there is there is not there is not any kind of displeasure that has been voiced um, among among the players as far as I'm aware. Everybody I've kind of spoken to so far, um, spoke to Matt Doherty, spoke to Max Kilman. Uh, there's some Johnny Otto quotes out today. They're all echo- echoing the same sentiments that they want to restart still. Um, so I, I don't think, from a Wolves perspective, at least at least for now, that that's a that, that's a worry. But as you say, Nathan, I think it's bound to happen at, at a club somewhere that a player says, "I'm not doing it," and, yeah. and, and you can't force me. And then there could be some legal wrangle that that that, that comes off the back of that, which would be a shame. But I think it's I think it's perhaps inevitable to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Luke Brereton says, with social distancing being in place, the goal celebration may be a thing of the past. Uh, example, uh, players jumping on each other. I think someone else, uh, who did they mention? Let's have a look, who was it? Someone else had mentioned something similar. Uh, Nigel Jelly said, how is Connor Cody going to get on with social distancing <laughs> when Raul scores the winning goal against Aston Villa? But, uh, you know, I mean, this is fair enough. How do you think players will celebrate scoring a goal now? I mean, I'm sure there'll be some some elaborate social distancing celebrations, if that happens. But, um, I mean, it's true, isn't it? Talking about... It's funny because they're going to be going face-to-face. It's going to be a semi-contact sport. They're still going to be playing football. There's still going to be elbows. There's still going to be sweat going in people's faces. But then, at the same time, can you not touch players when they score? You know, can you not spit on the ground if you're trying to, you know, get some get some rubbish out of your mouth? It's... it's yeah. It's it's very strange, isn't it? You know. Yeah, it's it's one rule for one thing and a completely other rule for, for something else. Um, I think naturally celebrations, if if the game does restart behind closed doors, will be more subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, 
d- d- despite me actually I've got a bit of a story about that. Cool. Um, when cool. I, when I was when I was about twelve, thirteen, uh school got to the Walsall Senior Walsall Schools Cup final. Um we played at Bescott and we beat Streetly three one. Big win. Prob- massive win. And there was probably about eleven people. Eleven people mm. in the kind of family enclosure um, section of, of, of the Banksies. Yeah. Um, but instead of celebrating in front of them, I actually did the jumping fist punch in front of the um, in front of the MTN stand. Love it. Um, so people may follow that and kind of just get lost in the moment and pretend that there's fans there, um, or they'll probably be a bit more normal than I was. <laughs> And just um, realise that there's no fans in the ground, and probably be a bit more subdued as a result of that. Maybe just you know, kind of a you know a, a, sl- a slight kind of fist fist wave or a finger in the air or whatever. Um, but well, I don't like think I said, it's going to be. You've been elaborate. pulling. You've been you've, you've you've been pulling. You've been tugging on shirts. You know, you'd be you you're, you're heading away. You know, the ball. You know, the ball's you know full of rubbish on it. And then all of a sudden you can't touch a person when you score your goal. I mean, it just seems it just seems bizarre. It's a it's a bizarre situation. You're not going to know until until the season restarts. But we'll just have to see what happens when someone does it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. you don't know until it happens. I guess. Um, here we go. Baz Chuckle, Baz Chuckle asks, <laughs> "What are your top three cocktails? What are your top three cocktails?" Oh, um, I like a. Um, Oh, what, what's that place in Birmingham? It's like the um, it's like the Jamaican kind of place where they do all. Oh, oh Turtle Bay, Turtle Bay. Um, they do good cocktails. Okay. I like a, I like a passion rum rum punch from there. That's passion that, rum punch. Okay, that's very nice. nice. I like um, something like an electric blues, something like that from um, from the Hard Rock. What's which that? Is, which is basically it's just like sounds sugary r- rocket fuel. Um, it's just like bright blue, um, like vodka, uh, that blue curacao or whatever it's called. You got a yeah, bit of that yeah, in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically two of them in your sky eye, and um, I like that. And I, I quite like a woo woo. That I used to have that um, a fair bit in the the faces nightclub days. So uh, oh yeah, no, I remember. You, I remember a woo woo. When well, I was sixteen. <laughs> yeah. What What about you? Something about like, you know a, a nice, nice bottle of champagne. Can't really, can't really, yeah, I'm say, yeah, I mean, so we're into we're into champagne tasting at the moment, so we're just doing some different different bottles. So I guess you can. I mean, I don't really like to add anything to champagne. Good champagne, I don't think you need to change. You need to have some kind of like creme de cassis in there or anything like that. You know, I just I just like the champagne as it is. So, so champagne, I would say, but number one, if you can call it a cocktail, but I mean, that's just the drink of choice. I think um, my kind of water. Um, two others, I do like oh. it. I do like it. I do like a skinny martini um, oh, yeah. Yeah. from time to time. I think that's very nice. Um, or a skinny margarita, actually. A skinny margarita is delicious on a night out uh, if you can pull it off in a nice cocktail bar. But my number one drink, I would say that if you're if I'm on a big night out, if I'm a heavy night out, and I don't do heavy nights out often, and if I do, I'm, I do it when I'm abroad. So I'm with the boys in Vegas, and you're going to have, you know, let's say you, you go into a club, you go into three or four bars beforehand, you're going to have. 10, 11, 12 drinks in the night, aren't you? You, you are. It just happens, yeah. doesn't it? And I don't want to be drinking beer because it, I don't like. I don't particularly like it, and it's going to bloat me. And the last thing you want is a, is pints of beer or lager or anything like that. But you know, 
you do your normal Vegas night out. You have, you have maybe six or seven drinks, and you get you get into your club. You get table service. You know, you've got you've got your bottles that are coming up. You've got your mixers. My number one drink would be um, what what we call in America is a vodka press, which is delicious, but also incredibly low calorie. So you would have you would have vodka, but you know, top drawer vodka. So you're looking you're looking. I'm not talking about you know the rubbish that you buy here. You Shimernov. You're talking about you know a bottle of Belvedere or, or something like that. Um, so it's a grey good goose. quality. Pardon? Grey goose. Grey goose, yeah, grey goose. As long yeah. as it, mate, as long as it's got a sparkler in it and and, and some fireworks, <laughs> and I'm happy. Um, so yeah, some grey goose, um, and then soda water. So it's a vodka soda, and then a dash of lemonade. Just a dash, little dash for that sweetness. And when I mean a dash, you know when you've got those guns they have behind the bars, you know the guns just, with the just a little just a just a, just a, just a just a yeah, just to add a little bit of that, then a, then a slice of lime in there. Absolutely delicious vodka press, and it's like drinking water. You don't even know you're having it. You know you don't feel you're drinking alcohol, and yet you are well away with the fairies. But it's a good drink to have. So anyone who's listening to that, that's the detail that you want. Vodka press, vodka soda, dash of lemonade, slice of lime. Everyone is a winner, baby. Lovely. Okay, uh, Mandy Hodge. Do you think you could both break a Stretch Armstrong? Mr. Stretch, and he he sent a picture of it as well. Mr. Stretch, a Stretch Armstrong. No, I I couldn't. I'm, really? I'm I'm weak as I'm weak as anything. I am. I really am. Um, oh, I could do with doing some like bicep curls or something. My arms are twigs. P- pathetic. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't I, I, to... ever, I don't think I ever had a Stretch Armstrong to be honest. Yeah. The... It'd be hard work for me. I I mean, yeah. I've I've probably been into a gym. Less than ten times in my life, so so yeah, uh, it's not 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 uh, for me. That lifestyle's not for me. No benching, no benching and squatting for you, mate. Now I'd struggle with a bar if I was benching. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, Matt Cook says all this talk about Project Restart. Have they discussed what access, if any, you guys will have? N- now we're in the dark, aren't we? Really, mm. um, and I don't expect it to be. Top of the agenda, really. Either, um, you know, they've got to get the players on board, really, um, and and the health and safety protocol in place, the the, the testing, and, and of course, media will be one thing to consider. Um, the TV companies will take precedence, obviously, um, and there's all these talk about games being well live and all, and you know, it'd be fantastic for people watching from home to have something uh, to watch. Um, but in terms of whether we'll be able to go and do our live tweeting and things like that, it's it's up in the air. And we've kind of spoken about it, haven't we? That we are a bit sceptical. We may well be in the same boat as everybody else, or it might be only one of us are allowed, or only kind of some of the national writers are allowed, or something like that. Um, yeah, that will be ironed out, I guess, as as and when. We now when football is restarting, but for now we're in the dark. Yeah, it's very difficult to know. We, we, we really don't, um, you know, if the games are. I mean, I think this is this is kind of like being thrown. Out. I don't think this will happen now. But say, let's say St George's Park's used. You know, people have been to St George's Park. There's 17, 18 pitches on there. You could have multiple games going on at the same time, but it's just basically like training pitches. So you're not really going to have media there. You could just have one camera, potentially, in a recording a game. You really don't know, so the so media limitations could be more on that. You know, if we're back at Molyneux, then maybe we've got more of a chance to to be able to attend. It could be one, it could be both. It's 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 very difficult to to know. And I think um, I think what will happen is is if and when the season restarts, there will be 
media guidelines that will be sweeping across the league for for the Premier League and, and maybe Championship if that um, if that goes ahead as well. And uh, we'll have to adhere to, to what, we're, what we're told about. Um, secondly, your second question, Matt, is if the season does restart in June, are you happy to attend? I think if the provisions were there, I would be happy to attend. I'd be, I'd be more than happy to attend. I think that, um, you know, both of us, I and mean, we've, we've had many a morning of conversation, Joe, over the last six weeks saying we just want to get back to it, we just want to get back. It's alien to me. I don't don't get me wrong, you know, it's fine working from home and, 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 and doing and putting the stuff out that we normally do. But, um, you know, the games are bread and butter that's what we know that's what we love that's what we want to convey all the colour all the excitement all the all the goings on behind the scenes and, and that's kind of what we do the job for so so yes as long as um, everyone can be safe I'd be happy to attend yourself yeah same exactly the same goes for me yeah exactly the same uh, Johnny Lee final one from Johnny says uh, have you heard any news in regards to what the club will be doing in terms of on-season ticket refunds yeah I understand the discussions have been had um, the, not just at Wolves, but in uh, Premier League wide, uh, that that'll have been uh, have been discussed. The kind of thing is the Premier League hasn't outright said you know the season will be finished without fans at the moment. It, I mean that that is obviously what is expected, um, and what is you know it, it, it pretty much is, but it hasn't officially been confirmed that these games are going to be being played without. Uh, supporters. Yeah. So, um, as and when that happens, I think you know Wolves will kind of will be you know making uh, official plans then as to, as to what they as to what they do in terms of a in terms of a cash refund. I, I, don't, I don't know how how feasible uh, that is. I, I think it may well be something uh, in terms of a discount on on next season's ticket, or um, if you've paid for you know a certain uh, game, then you get. Um, uh, a, a game whenever, whenever you know fans are allowed back in, which is yeah. kind of a corresponding category. So, say if you've paid for Arsenal at home, for example, just hypothetically, then you'll get uh, a, a game of your choice next season or some, something like that. I, I mean, obviously, the, there's, the, that's just that's just an example off the top of my head. But um, I think it will kind of be if you've kind of got outstanding games on your season ticket or on what whatever ticket you've got then it may well be put towards games in the future i think that may be the most likely outcome but you know now thing is is firm at the moment in there's, there's now a firm decision and it's discussions across the land so uh, i don't think there'll be a a, a club wide consensus i think Different clubs will take different approaches, so we'll we'll, we'll see how that how that pans out. Joe, you got any questions at all? Yeah, I've just got got one here from Paul Mansell, who's obviously usually pretty good for a question. Um, just says things have got a bit quiet about a new contract for Nuno, and do you think it'll be sorted when this season comes to an end? Um, I mean, in terms of it going quiet, I mean, we we know the, the kind of character Nuno is, and the the deep thinker, um, you know, kind of, you know, philosophical, really, kind of person he is. I don't think he'd ever want to kind of come out and sign a new contract and have this big kind of hurrah when what when what's happening in the world is happening. When you know, you know, really, people are people are dying and people are dying in in a, in, a, in big numbers. So I, I don't think that would kind of marry would marry up. Would it? It wouldn't be really, you know, the the, the right time. Um, 
I think in the summer he says, you know, will it will it be kind of discussed in the summer? I think that's that, that's the time. Um, well, when the season ends, and um, I think that will be the time for for proper for proper discussions. I think for now, it's just as is because, um, yeah, I think no, no, he's very day to day orientated. That hasn't changed, and I think he'll be thinking about how football can get restarted first. And uh, once this season has come to an end, I think that'll be a more appropriate time to discuss things. Cheers, Paul. Thanks so much for the question. Uh, before we go, Joe, we're running out of time, but um, you are doing a what was it World Cup squad of the century? Is that is that yes? Correct? It is. Yeah, um, I've had a lot of responses. I mean, we touched on it last week. Um, just thought I'd play a little game with you, Nathan. Just a very very quick game. Yeah, I've t- tallied up the results uh, from twenty two submitted squads. So what's the um, question? Then what's the question? So so it's basically. You'd have to submit a 23-man squad in the style of a World Cup, um, but based off players who have played for Wolves since since the turn of the millennium. So um, you've got to have an equal share across positions, three goalkeepers, you know, how many defenders, how many midfielders and strikers, just like how a World Cup squad would be. Um, okay. So far, there is two goalkeepers... In all twenty-two squads that that I've gone over the results so so far, can can you get guess who those are? Well, been in everyone's everyone's squad. Everyone so far, yeah. Right. Okay. How many? Two. How many? How many people have you had so far? Did you say twenty-two. Tw- twenty-two people have submitted the yeah okay. so far, and I think there's about seventy-five in total. Gonna say Rui. Yeah. And then it's a choice be- between for me between Carl. And Matt, uh, I'm going to say Carl Akimi. No, it's Matt Murray. Ah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, Matt Murray and Rui Patricio in 22 of 22 so far. Akimi okay. um, is interestingly not 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 the third choice at, at oh. the moment. It's uh, Wayne Hennessy, but that oh, obviously okay. may may change. Um, two two de- two defenders that that are in everyone so far. Doc, yeah. There's one. Hmm, and then I'm gonna go between. So the wolf. No, he didn't play. Didn't play. No, he didn't. Games. No, no. Um, so I'm it, it's between Bully and Cody for me, and I'm gonna say Cody. Bolly. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I mean, the Bolly was the Bolly's the correct answer. Well, yeah. he is the correct answer, but I thought I thought it might just go down the captain line and captain fantastic and yeah. You know. Okay. Now, Bolly and Doherty in twenty-two of twenty-two so far. Okay. Uh, Johnny in nineteen, Cody oh, in nineteen, and um, Johnny and Lescott in twenty. So Johnny right. and Lescott's are uh, quite highly Dean, rated. Dean Richards in many. Uh, he'd left. In nineteen ninety nine, so oh, okay, not, not many. Uh, uh, Denny Serving quite high, seventeen. Mm. Okay. Um, interestingly, just just quickly, Mikel Bischoff wasn't just the uh, recommendation of James Fielden. Ah. Um Raj Kular actually put him in his as well. So Mikel Bischoff, Mikel Bischoff's got two. There you go. <laughs> um, we, and he's actually above Danny Baff, who only has one so far. Danny. Um, two midfielders who are in every ones. I think you get these. Neves and Zhao. Don't even have to yeah, think about it. Yeah, easily. Um, yeah, Neves and Zhao in everyone's. Um, 
some of the interesting midfielders. Go on. Um, Adling Guediura gets a shout. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was a decent player, don't get me wrong. but um, You wouldn't have him in a World Cup squad. No. Well, I think he's gone to a World Cup, actually, with Algeria. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's the thinking. Um, I'd, have, I'd have gone to a World Cup with Algeria, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave Jones, solitary vote. Uh, Jack Price has got a couple. Um, yeah, and then you've got Traore is down as a midfielder. Um, okay. Some have some have put him in midfield. Some have put him in uh, striker. But I'm just putting sticking forwards as proper strikers. So Traore proper out and out. Okay, got yeah. Got, yeah. Traore is is in there. Um, Sacco is quite yeah. high as well. Um, and then there's two mm-hmm. two strikers, Nathan, that have got have got um, twenty two out of twenty two. Can you guess those? Si, senor. Yeah, Raúl and um, his his partner in crime. Yeah, Diogo. Yeah, Diogo. Twenty two each. Um, Silver Nearbanks Blake, Klaus behind him with nineteen, and And, uh, Paul Gladden. (laughs) Not quite Paul Gladden. There's there's a there's a couple of um, one shout. Uh, strikers so far. I bet someone went Bonatini. Bonatini hasn't actually. Oh, um, okay. A Falbi's got one. Who? Uh, a Falbi, Benik. Benik yeah, Falbi. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Nuadico has got one so mm-hmm. far. Pedro Neto, one so far. Ah, Neto. Uh, Georgian Dar um, yeah. as well. And uh, Adiakin Boye, which was quite. Um, Surprised that, but the 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 reasoning to that, I forget who it was, but he said if basically had Akinboye got the service that the current day strikers do, then he would have scored a shed load. But um, yeah, there you go. That's that's how that's how it's shaping up so far. Not too many massive surprises, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the end of the, of the list and Jimenez, Jota, Neves, Matinho, and I'd probably say. I'd probably say Bolly and Patricio being everyone's. I think there's a chance that Doherty and Murray may slip away out of one or two. Good stuff. And when can we see uh, that full list in the uh, in the paper and uh, online, Joe? It will be starting on Tuesday. Um, so it will be done kind of incrementally through the week. So we'll do the goalkeepers on Tuesday, the defenders on Wednesday, and so forth. So... Um, yeah, that'll be something to sink your teeth into. It's a bit of fun. Been quite nice to go through. Random keeper just finished that off. Uh, Marcus Hanneman. There you go. Marcus, mm. Marcus mm. Hanneman. What a way to finish the podcast, Marcus the, Hanneman. Seattle Marcus Sounder. Hanneman. Seattle Sounder himself. Uh, Joe, thanks very much. I've, I've enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much to Nick Golf who yeah, came on yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier on. And uh, look, look after yourself. Be safe, everyone. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Hopefully, we get some good news. On Sunday, hopefully, get to see some family and friends sooner rather than later when it is all safe. But um, from me, from Joe, have a great weekend. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>